Hello, and welcome to the Movie Arc, brought to you by the Arc of E Network. My name is Noah, and I am here with a very special guest. Uh, I, I don't know when you're hearing these, so this might be the first of uh, this little mini-series that we're doing together. Uh, but, uh, without further ado, uh, a huge part of the network, a co-host of uh, Bending Not Breaking, one of the most successful shows on the network, over on the TV Arc, uh, Mr. Sunshine Mayfield joins me today via phone. Say hello. Oh, hello. Hello, sir. Uh, and, and what are we doing today, Sunshine? Well, uh, I believe, based off of our conversation prior to this, and I hope this is the case, that we are going over our top 20 movies of the decade. Top favorite, like favorite movies. Not best, but, but favorite movies of the decade. What, okay, so... Is that right? We're not... We're not reviewing Midsommar, the director's cut, because that—that's what I was prepared that. for. <laughs> I didn't say we weren't doing that. No, that was really just a plug might... for our, our earlier episode. You've—you've you've been on the movie arc for the first. That was your um your maiden voyage, if you will. If we want to keep the yeah it, the boating it analogies been, yeah. going, um, yeah, I think that was the first time you've been on. Uh, so. And again, I don't know what people have heard, but the plan is, uh, you and I so far, uh, this is some behind-the-scenes magic. You guys are probably hearing this in November, December, I'm assuming. Um, we have already recorded our top 20 albums of the decade, of the 2010s. Woo-hoo. So you can head over to the music arc, theoretically, to hear that right now, because we might like kind of lead with that one, depending on when I get it edited. But uh, regardless, stay tuned across all of the feeds because we're, we're doing this uh, also on the TV arc, our top 20 favorite TV shows. And then we're also going to do performances, which will be, you know, open season. We can go movies or TV. So that'll be a crossover pod. We'll do half on the movie arc and half on the TV arc. So lots of fun stuff happening here at the end of the year and the end of the decade. So without further ado, we're here to talk about our favorite uh, movies of the last 10 years. Again, we like to stress at the top of these episodes, favorite, not best, not best. You may be very offended. You may be high, highly offended. Let us know. Uh, you can email thearchivy at gmail.com. You can yell at us on all of our social media. Uh, we'll tag all that at the end, or you can check the show notes. But let us know. We want to know what your favorites are as well. But again, these are just the movies that mean the most to us. This is not a reflection on on your taste. This is just our taste, okay? We're not saying these are the yeah, best. But if I, you are super offended, Noah has actually said that he would be willing to bare knuckle box you in a food line parking lot. So wherever, if I, you really just I think are Gavin, upset about actually, our list, I think that that's my brother. I think you're mistaken. Okay, okay. Uh, Gavin. Gavin, we'll Gavin get, volunteered we'll to get, fight anybody that disagrees with any opinions put forth by any Arc of E Network staff. Okay. So, without further ado, you're you're the guest as usual. So I'm gonna let you just decide. Do you do you want to lead things off, or do you want to kick it to me? Oh, I can lead things off. Well, do do it. What, right. what what's number twenty? Number twenty for me, Den of Thieves. Den of Thieves. <laughs> um, sorry. Nope. I, uh, I can't even. I can't even like play into the bit at this point. Um, yeah, I know nothing about you, it. And I've never seen it, but yeah. at this point, I feel like we mention it every episode. So I think that should um, be a runner for sure. Uh, just, <laughs> just if you're checking in, still haven't seen it. Still, still haven't seen. Death have Thieves. not seen it. Um, I'm gonna give you a little, 
a little, little bio. We're talking about a 17-year-old who navigates his own survival amongst an explosive criminal family and the detective who thinks he can save him. Whoa, whoa. Um, right off the bat, huge, huge blind spot on my part. Is this a 2010 film? Sir. This is a 2010 film. It is right on the cusp, and that is why I missed it. In my head, it was a 2009. I did not bother to look. You are talking about Animal Kingdom. I am talking Mr. about Animal David Kingdom. Mr. David um, who I just watched. I'm sorry. Side note before we get into this. I just watched the trailer for The King, starring Timothy Chalamet, Robert Pattinson, our boy Ben Mendelsohn, uh, co-written by, uh, oh my gosh, Joel Edgerton. Co-starring Joel Edgerton, if I'm not mistaken. Trailer looks about the the king. Yes. Yeah. Trailer looks good. I'm I'm pretty excited. Uh, I was not. We can get into the rest of Michaud's work. Sorry. Let's let's talk about Animal Kingdom before we do anything else. Go ahead. Yeah. Let's Animal Kingdom, man. Let's talk about just honestly. Surprisingly, you watch it and you're like, I don't know if I'm gonna love this movie, and then you end it and you're like, Nope. Loved it every second of it. And a, um, a real discovery point for like. I would say three or four different, like, I'd probably seen Edgerton and stuff, but not completely registered him. He'd been around for a little while. I mean, um, you're talking about people that absolutely shine. Jackie Weaver. Yes. Shines. First time I'm ever seeing her in anything. And of course, this Joel is my introduction Edgerton. to Ben Mendelsohn. And Ed- Edgerton, like I said, I was, he had been in stuff, obviously, but he was not a known quantity to me at that point. The main reason I even watched the movie and was aware of it is because I'm a, I'm a Guy Pierce guy. Like, I'll pretty much watch anything that guy does. Um, yeah. So, that was the my, my gateway into it. Um, dude, I, I in fact, <laughs> I can honestly say, not not a great movie, but when I was, like, what, what, 11, 12 when that movie came out, I thought it was great, and I did, in fact, own a DVD because I asked for it for Christmas, and it's still <laughs> somewhere in the collection. I will tell you, I own the time machine. No co-star, co-starring right. Samantha Mumba, if if anybody <laughs> remembers who that is. No one does. She was um, a pop princess, dude, for about six months. <laughs> yeah, no, Jack, you get Jack During Weaver, those six months, the time machine was made. Sorry. Continue. <laughs> you get Ben Mendelsohn. Um, ben Mendelsohn as... A, I, I will nominate... Just um, skeezy. Like just I will nominate that dude. character... For we, we should maybe work through this and we can go back to this when we do our performance episode, some like subcategories. But I will go ahead and nominate Ben Mendelsohn as one of the best villains uh, of the decade. In Which Animal makes Kingdom. it so frustrating when you watch him in movies like The Dark Knight Rises, where he doesn't get to and you're like, really you gave cut this loose. dude nothing to work with, and he's so good. Yeah, I would, nice. I would like to see Nolan, uh, you know, take take another shot because he does. You know, he kind of builds a um, a, tro- a trove of actors. You know, that he goes back to from time to time. I would like to see Mendelssohn be one of those guys, but in a in a more highlighted role. He, imagine this. Team. Sorry, we're getting off on a Nolan tangent for two seconds. Uh, I don't know where he was in his career, uh, but imagine Mendelssohn in following the first Nolan movie as that lead character. Yeah, just I elevates that movie to like instant classic status instead of what it is, which is a really really good first film, but 
I mean, Memento like completely blows it out of the water. But imagine well, that you, seriously. You can't even like the fact that uh, you get Jackie Weaver in this role, which is like the what's the what's the mother's name in House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects? Mama um, Firefly. Mama Firefly. She's like this, but in a way more realistic and toned down way. But like, mm-hmm. she's this person when she goes to try to go bribe the lawyers, and she's just like very matter of fact and just right there on the edge. And she is phenomenal in this role. And so, yeah, Animal Kingdom, start to finish, fantastic. Um, just under two hours in uh, 2010. So, yep, that's my number 20 is Animal Kingdom. All right, I was going to say, we could definitely just, like, do an entire podcast about that movie right now. And I haven't watched it in, like, a couple years. But uh, have you watched the TV show, by the way? I haven't, but people like it. People dig it. Yeah, people say it's actually really good. So I, I It's on, know. like, season three. So, it's, I'll you know, maybe I should. Maybe I'm I'll cu- dive on in. I'm curious how they stretch that narrative. Um, is it Americanized in the show? As far as I know, yeah, it's like West Coast, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, well, that's just not near. I mean, it's on season four. Okay. So, I think yeah, my mom watches it. I'll have to. I'll have to get up with her on that. Okay. <laughs> so, fantastic pick. Uh, that gets added to my honorable mentions list because, again, I thought it came out in 2009 because I'm an idiot. Because you blew it. Yep. Because I blew it. Um. Speaking of which, the movie that was going to be my number 20, uh, Dogtooth, uh, it, it, uh, it also came out in 2009, so I, w- I was mistaken. Had to bump it. Had to bump it. <laughs> okay? Uh, so, <laughs> at the 20 slot, not sad to have it here. It was going to be on the list regardless. Uh, Inherent Vice from 2014 from Mr. Paul Thomas Anderson, uh, oh, starring yes. my, my actor of the decade, right off the bat we'll get into that on performances more in depth but uh mr joaquin phoenix in an adaptation of a thomas pension novel which i've read about half of i really enjoyed it i need to finish it at some point that was years ago anyways uh i read once in Vice, a movie i enjoyed in the theater because i'm pretty much in the bag for pta he's my favorite like active living filmmaker uh like you know yeah, I can firmly say that. He's my favorite living director. Um, and you also have my favorite living actor at the moment, Joaquin Phoenix. And I was I was already, I knew I was going to love it before I even sat down. But really, when I truly, like this movie started to seep into my bones, is once I got it on Blu-ray and you could just throw it on in the background because it's like two hours and 40 minutes. It's a total hangout movie. You don't really have to follow the plot. It's one of those you can just kind of like dip into here and there. You can, you know, be working on stuff around the house and, you know, oh, I'm going to watch this scene for a little bit, dip into it, and then then you're all good. You don't have to be with it every step of the way. But it it just became my background movie for like, honestly, the first like six months I was in my previous apartment prior to this place. And I would throw it on when I was working on podcasts, building stuff for the website, et cetera, et cetera. And over the course of that, I've watched this movie like 30 times in the last like year. So I, I love it. It's so much fun. It's, uh, if you, if nobody saw it, cause I don't, I don't think it did particularly well. It, it did well with critics, but not at the box office, unfortunately. I don't know where this one stands for you in turn. Right? Have you still not seen it? I think we had this conversation. You haven't seen it, have um, you? Yes, I have not seen this Being movie. Suspiciously quiet on the and other end of the phone. Honestly, making sure you're still there. 
don't know if I will ever watch this movie. It seems like a burden Why? to put on. And I don't know. It's two hours and 40 minutes of Paul Thomas Anderson, which can sometimes be wonderful. This is and the sometimes it doesn't tickle my fancy. Well, this is the closest to an outright comedy post Boogie Nights and Punch Drunk Love. Um, whoa, 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 whoa. You can't tell me Phantom Thread wasn't a comedy. I mean, Phantom Thread is hilarious in parts, but I, I, inarguably, I don't think anybody will fight me on this, Inherent Vice, I'll put it side by side with Boogie Nights. It's the funniest movie he's ever made. Um, well, I will add it to the list, Noah. You need, to, you need to see it. But for those who aren't familiar, I'm, it's it's a basically a neo-noir detective movie. Um, with with a, a stoner PI at the center of it, trying to figure I'm out a mystery it down in the late speak. Watch hazy Inherent 60s. Vice. Yes, watch Inherent Vice. Uh, that's my it's advice to, list. to other people. If you haven't seen it, just go. You know, just just hang out with it. It's, it's one of those. Unfortunately, uh, and this is a this is an apology to anyone who's ever talked to me and, and recommended a movie. Um, if you have ever told me to watch a movie or a television show, and I have said I will put it on the list. Um, there is no list. Yeah, there's uh, there's not I, an actual. I mean, I have I, I have a list, but there are very few me, things that get me, added to that yes. list. Yes. Joe Schmo <laughs> telling me like, "You've got to see this movie. It was so good." And I'm like, "Tell me more about it." And you're like, "Well, it's a it's a a movie called uh, War Room, and it's about how Jesus comes in." And I go, ah, "See, you <laughs> lost me." Okay. Chances are, I'm not going to watch that movie. Did watch. Um, what was it? The uh, God's Not Dead. Um, oh, is that your number nineteen? And God's Not Dead Two <laughs> combo. Um, did, <laughs> nineteen and eighteen? No, did not make the list. It was not a one-two punch of uh, top twenty movies for me. Okay, um, what is your number nineteen? <laughs> oh, this one. If I read the bio, I think you'll get it pretty quick. Uh, this is Teen fun. Miles I should have done this for mine. Sorry. Teen Miles Morales becomes Spider-Man of his reality. Uh, beautiful. Crossing his path. Beautiful. With beautiful five crossover, sir. Beautiful crossover. Yeah. It's actually my number 18, but that would be There we go. Hey, look at that. that do we want to wait and let you do your 19 Spider-Man first? into the Spider-Verse from oh. 2018. It is. Yes, that's the one. So let's let's wait. Let's let's put a pin in it. Yeah, we can put a pin in it because God's not dead. But <laughs> is but I 19? but I'll tell you something. Only God forgives, my friend. <laughs> Only God forgives. Is your number 19? Is my number 19 from 2013, directed by one Mr. Nicholas Wending Reffin, or hashtag by NWR? Is that what we're calling him now? I don't want to. See, here's the thing about NWR. <laughs> he is here's the a thing hashtag. about Mr. Nicholas. Uh, is, uh, the director yeah. who became a hashtag. <laughs> Yeah, there. You can tell me like you think that he's full of himself when he makes these movies, or that they're very self-indulgent. And I will sit there and say I watched all of Too Old to Die Young, and I I agree with you. And doesn't make his movies any less good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, I mean, I don't care to the degree that you're. I mean, to the degree that any auteur is self-indulgent. Like any director with any sort of success who's known for like doing their thing, you can say that anytime they do that is being self indulgent. Um, yeah, it's just that, you know, do are you a fan? Do you choose to engage with it? Or is it just not for you? And you can kind of 
pick and choose those people. And I kind of appreciate people who are like, no, this is me 100% of the time. Like, I'm not going to suddenly throw you a curveball and like, I'm not the director you thought I was. I am I am Nicholas Winding Refn. I have certain tenets of of my art. So if you're not if you're not down with it, then this probably isn't for you. Go somewhere else. And that's what I think about Too Old for Die Young and Only God Forgives because they're both very similar. When people are like, I can't believe that's what Too Old to Die Young was. I'm like, that's exactly what I thought Too Old to Die Young was going to yes, be. Yes, again, and because... I loved it. I, and I could I could spend just an hour just ranting at Amazon for the way they've treated that show. Uh, the fact that it literally Shame. does not show up anywhere on their originals list. They're giant banners. Like all over Prime. There's not a shred of that show unless you direct search for it. That's bullshit. Um, like, it, it's just like it's going to be trapped there forever. I hope they've announced something in terms of like we're going to get an actual Blu-ray release because I will buy that immediately, even if it doesn't have any special features, but just to like know that it's there and it's not just going to like disappear quietly off of Amazon at some point and then never be available again. Um, I, I hope that that happens. Okay. Back to the movie at hand. Only God forgives. He's coming off a drive. You and I have talked about this, so I really don't feel like we need to go into too much detail on this one. But it's not what people were expecting, and it's where I basically totally locked in with him because I was like, I am still totally invested and interested in like trying to pick this movie apart and what it's doing and you know what's going on here. I I was not you know repulsed or repelled by it. I was drawn in by it, and I've revisited it constantly. I think it's an oddly like it's such a brilliant economical movie in terms of its storytelling its visual storytelling and it's something that he like does incredibly in drive but I feel like is like even taken up a notch in this and then the where he's built to with too old to die young is just he's he's on kind of on his own unique level and he's trying to imitate his you know his main godfather which is Hodorowski at this point and I think he's doing it pretty successfully in terms of establishing himself as like I have my own unique filmic language nobody else quite talks like me in movies so I'm 100% on board with it this is yep. still my favorite feature of his and it's my number 19th uh, won't be the yeah. just a little foreshadowing. Won't be the last time you hear about little buy NWR. I, I, I assumed as much. I figured he might come up again. So uh, we can move right along to again your or my eighteen. Sorry. Yeah, let's jump on your eighteen. Let's switch it up. Your nineteen, which was Sp- Spider Verse. If you want to talk about it now. Um, yes, and um, this is one of those things that you can fight Gavin about because he will be our our muscle. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is the best Spider-Man movie that has ever been made. I don't think people, I don't think people will fight us on that one too hard. Uh, and of course, I I'm I'm not gonna not stick up for Spider-Man Two by Sam Raimi because I would say that's right there, scratching out oh, seals. Yes. But and you can also argue, of course, Spider-Verse can't exist in the same way that it does without the rich history, which those movies are a part of, and even the Andrew Garfield movies are a part of, unfortunately. But, which you know, I didn't hate the first one. I didn't hate the first one. It's not bad, but in, in retrospect, we really we didn't need that movie right then, which is why the no. second one feels so, like, what are we even doing here? It just, it's over, over long, overplotted, overstuffed just everything that you don't want a sequel to a big franchise movie to be and it still made a ridiculous amount of money 
So well, and here's the kicker is that with everything going on currently, I don't know what the state of the Spider-Man and the MCU will be come December or November when this these episodes drop, but it, I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> I'm totally fine with Sony having I having think that strictly Far From hands. Home and Homecoming were uh how do you were fine. They they were well, Fine. and yeah, I'm going to sound like a crazy <laughs> naysayer as well, but I feel like a lot of people have put this forth. Um, I'm one of those people who, like, I really enjoyed Homecoming. The main problems I have with that movie are everything to do with how it ties into the the Marvel Universe at large. Like, the amount of Robert Downey Jr. and Tony Stark that we have in that movie. Like, okay, I get it. I like their dynamic. I know people like to see him on screen, but can we just let it be a Spider-Man movie? Like... Do we do we need that in here every like 15 20 minutes? Well, I would uh, argue the best Those are my least favorite are, aspects of it. Um Well, and I think the best Spider-Man aspects in the MCU are when he is a part of Civil War, Infinity War, um Endgame. Like those are the moments I enjoy seeing Spider-Man, honestly. Um so you know, I'm the Spider into the Spider-Verse. That's where we're at. Just look at the cast, man. You've got Jake Johnson, Haley Steinfeld, Mahershala Ali, who will then be in the MCU again? Brian Tyree Henry, who, who will, will then be in the MCU <laughs> yes, again? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Zoe Kravitz. Uh, also, John Mulaney, the, those Nicholas two Cage, gentlemen, like, those two gentlemen, we can put on our short list uh, for just what what a decade for both of them. It's mainly the latter half of the decade, uh, and Brian Tyree Henry in particular had one of the single best like years, like calendar years of being an actor that I can possibly think of. You talking about like if Bill Kid Street could talk, Spider Man into the Spider Verse, Widows, Widows, uh, and everything he did on Atlanta. Um, just, I mean, I you can go on and on and on, but yeah. Anyway, he's going to be in Joker. He is going to be in Joker. Um, he was in, yeah. He's not in Us. I'm sorry, I misspoke. Yeah, I was going to roll right over it, but yes, we can clearly say that he is not in Us. I I like I, to take I, I credit. I was going to say I would love I to. Wrong. I would love to see him in in a Jordan Peele film Peele film at some point yeah okay yes so anyways that's that was that was Spider-Verse it's great you're 18 yeah Yeah. so we move back to you for your 18 ah yes speaking of weird auteurs after the family matriarch passes away a grieving family is haunted by tragic and disturbing occurrences and begins to unravel dark secrets. Okay, just knowing how much you love this movie, the <laughs> fact really that do. it's the fact that it's this low, I'm very intrigued for the rest of this list. You are, of course, talking about Hereditary from last year. Oh, I am talking about Hereditary from last year. I think part of it is because they both came out so recently. Like Hereditary and Spider Verse, I had a tough time really putting we can, them up. Yeah, we can talk about higher. the recency bias because uh, it'll come up in a, in a couple slots for me for sure. But but uh, damn sure, I think Tony Collette put on what is arguably the greatest horror performance uh, ev- ever. It's it's up there. And, it's and up I'm there right out of that. the gate. I don't know if it takes it entirely, but it's up there. I mean. Yeah, no. We so can honestly, have that debate in October. I know people are hearing this like two months later, but we'll have this debate during October. But but for Ari Aster, uh, if you've watched his short films, because we talked about them uh, on Midsommar, um, yes. our podcast on Midsummer, um, they're weird. 
And then, uh, but in the best way possible. That is one this, way to describe them, for sure. <laughs> um, but this movie, I think, I don't think, um, one of the things I've always said about Ari Aster, I say always said, like I knew anything about him before last year. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, we speak about I've him as said, if he's like this established as, auteur that's like been I around for decades. As I sip on tea with my pinky out, <laughs> yeah. um, is that I think that one of the things he does really well um, is he takes real emotions and real family experiences and puts them in hyperbolic settings so that it is very exaggerated, but the emotions are very grounded and very real. Yes. And what you, the way you see Tony Collette interact with her family and dealing with grief, I think is so genuinely relatable. Um, and I think that that's just because of the way that he writes and the way that, um, she performed it and then you get this crazy left turn out of nowhere in the last act of that movie um and i'm 100 percent bought in every step of the way and i think part of that it didn't come into total focus until seeing midsomar like what exactly he does because again hereditary is a lot of different horror subgenres all kind of fighting for (laughs) supremacy throughout that movie like is it a creepy kid movie is it a possession movie is it a ghost story is it a cult movie is it a demon movie like you're just you're constantly just like thrown off guard the answer is yes yeah the answer is yes (laughs) to everything so he's he's working in certain tropes but the things that really stick out beyond some of the imagery in that movie is like the dinner table scene and the Tony Collette performance throughout that you're talking about the raw emotions okay and yeah that's what you really see. that's kind of his signature at this point once you've seen Midsommar which is why I'm curious because he says he wants to make something like vastly different going forward and I think we've seen some different tones in the shorts but yeah it's he's making horror of a very different type at this point very unique voice and just a style that He's definitely, I mean, he's talked about some of his influences, but I feel like for a lot of filmgoers, myself included, he just seems like he's working on his own unique level. I think maybe Robert Eggers, who he's good buddies with apparently, they did a great podcast together that I'll shout out, uh, the A24 podcast, which if anybody listens to this, they probably already listened to that show. But uh, yeah, great conversation between the, the two of them. I think they're kind of, they are the Tarantino PTA during the mid '90s. Uh, that's these guys right now in the horror genre. To me, they're they're in conversation with each other. Well, they're the they're one upping each like, other. If they're, I think that you've got Get Out comes out 2017, kind of breaks through and and gets poor back into the conversation when it comes to award season. Um, Hereditary gets nothing. But surprisingly, I was like, I thought that it was going to break through. Maybe it's a little too weird, but I think you like. Yes, I think, I think it's because he's the, still the performances are too good to ignore. There and there's a certain movement of the the art house horror, the A twenty four horror movies, if you will. Uh, there's a certain amount of like resistance within the hardcore horror community. That's you know, a little more traditionalist, or they have certain expectations. They don't like their tropes to be fucked with that much um i don't care i love it no i'm just, just saying just like, like the there song. there are those na- i think that's why you will not necessarily see them break through as huge mad they're never gonna be the conjuring 
if you will, you know, I, and I never oh, expect yeah. that, but I do expect these small scale event and they've had a, a creeping success on streaming and like word of mouth because they are the types of movies that once you see them, you maybe won't recommend them to everybody, but everybody kind of has that one friend or that one, you know, two or three friends that are like, Hey, they, they like weird shit. I can, I can tell them to go check this out. So yeah. Uh, fantastic picture. Where are we? <laughs> Where that was are we? my 18. Okay. Uh, so we're back. And again, my 18 was Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse. So I guess we're on my 17. Uh, from one brand spanking new auteur to, uh, to another. Uh, I'm going back to 2011 for my number 17 pick, which is... Uh, I'm gonna, Okay, I'm going to make up my own... I'm not reading off a synopsis. I didn't write it down. But I'm going to start playing your game. All right? Okay. Um, the it's a, it's a coming of age tale, um, set in the fifties. It's also an existential crisis movie set in twenty eleven, and it also tells about the birth of the universe. Uh, it's about fathers is, and sons. It's about what growing is up. Tree of Life. <laughs> yes, you are correct, sir. Which again for f- for what like five hundred points it yet? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. yeah, four hundred. Okay, yeah, but yeah, but I still haven't watched it yet. <laughs> You've never seen the Tree of Life, okay? I, I, well, I think initially yeah. it was one of those things where I think you were like, you got to watch it on the big screen, and I missed it. And then you were like, you got to watch it on a good TV, which I didn't own. And uh, and then <laughs> now that I own a good TV, <laughs> it's still kind of like. Uh, I, t- I tell I, you what, I, I tell you what. Text me your address when we're done with this because I recently purchased the new Criterion Blu-ray, which means that my previous earlier release Blu-ray, which is still great, um, it just doesn't have the extra half hour of footage added to it that the new Criterion does. Uh, so you can have that. Just I'll mail it to you, and then you can watch it. Then you'll have a copy. Excellent. Or you'll have a copy that you can sit on your shelf and ignore for another year. We'll uh, see what happens. The Tree of Life, it's Terrence Malick. If you don't like Terrence Malick, you probably are completely unaware of this movie or hate it. You might have even hated it if you're a fan of his because it's it's kind of Some become people hated the, that movie. Well, yes, it's kind of become the dividing line of the back half of his career. He doesn't work that often, and then all of a sudden, he works arguably too often for some people. Um, he does this. He does To the Wonder in very quick succession, a movie I was extremely excited to see coming off the back of Tree of Life. I did not respond to The Wonder at all, uh, so much so that I did not, uh, I didn't rush out to catch Night of Cups when it came out. Still haven't seen it. I didn't see Song to Song, uh, a movie with Michael Fassbender, Ryan Gosling, Natalie Portman, and Rooney Mara, maybe? I can't remember who the other female lead is. A movie with those actors, directed the, the directed by Terrence one? Malick. Yeah, I have, set in the Austin music scene, I have not seen that movie. Um, no one. It wasn't. What, it wasn't what's wrong with very me? well? That's what I'm saying. But I, I kind of, I kind of fell off. And for a while, I, I adore the New World, and I adore Tree of Life. Um, Badlands was one of my early like, I, whoa, this is something a little different. Um, I still shamefully have not seen um, Gates of Heaven. I believe. I hope I'm not screwing that up. Yes. Not Heaven's Gate. Or what am I? Oh my God! I'm totally screwing up the name. The oh one with Richard goodness. Gere. I'll look it up. The one for with you. Richard Gere. Anyways, I still have not seen it. Den of Thieves. Den of Thieves. Yes, the <laughs> the incredible, indelible Den of Thieves. Um, but 
Tree of Life, Brad Pitt, Jessica Chastain, this was my introduction to her. It is essentially about his own childhood. It's it's fictionalized heavily. It incorporates his kind of his malik editing style. I don't know how else to describe it. He it's unique unto himself. It's one of the most gorgeous movies I've still ever seen. One of the best theatrical experiences I've ever seen. Days of Heaven, by the way. Days of Heaven. Thank you very much. Days of Heaven, starring Mr. Richard Gere, uh, which I still have not seen. And that's like his kind of undisputed classic. But I love pretty much, I I even love Thin Red Line, which is a stretch for some people as well. Uh, Mm. But this later period, I haven't been as in love with. But Tree of Life was the movie that basically made me like reassess his earlier work, that some of which I had seen, some of which I hadn't. And I, I wouldn't say he's one of my favorite filmmakers, but I'm always interested in what he's got next. And what he does have next this year um, is, uh, oh my gosh, I don't have my phone in front of me. A Hidden Life. A Hidden Life. I was going to say A Private Life, so I'm glad you fixed that for me. A Hidden Life, which is based on a true story. It seems way more narratively focused than he sometimes it is. Does. And the trailer for it, I don't know if you've watched it, looks incredible. Oh, um, I have. I am actually I will very, see it. I'm actually very excited for this movie. So uh, go check out Tree of Life. It it is the definition of pretentious. If that is the kind of stuff that turns you off, um, but if you like philosophical, maybe somewhat up its own ass, but gorgeously shot meditations on what it means to be human um, and what childhood trauma can do to a person, um, it's it's fascinating. It's long. Um, it it does not hold your hand in terms of its storytelling. You really do have to piece together certain things, um, but it is very much in the style of like something being recollected, and that's reflected in the ed- editing. It it's crazy out there. I I love it. I still rewatch it about once a year. Uh, and I just recently watched my new Criterion Blu-ray, which is amazing. I I enjoyed the additional material. I will again. I will send you that Blu-ray. You just gotta remind me. I'll put it in the mail like tomorrow. Okay, uh, moving along, you're number 17. 17. Faced with both her hot-tempered father's fading health and melting ice caps that flood her ramshackle bayou community and unleash ancient Uruks. I don't know if I pronounced that r- word right. Pretty um, close. Uruks, as far as I remember. Uruks? Yeah. Anyways. Six-year-old hush puppy must learn the ways of courage and love. She lives with her daddy in the bathtub, if I remember correctly. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They're in a little shack in by the sea. Uh, yes. Beast of the Southern Wild. Beast of the Southern Wild. An honorable mention for me, sir. Um, yeah, fair enough. And here's the kicker: I understand this is where it kind of gets into the favorites. It was a great movie, um, but I'm a sucker, a sucker, um, for movies just about kids enjoying life and um, kids putting up with things. I think I I work with kids on a regular basis, and so this movie was the one that just kind of hit me um mm-hmm. and so the amount of hope she brings to screen um the amount of raw just pure emotion that she brought and dealing with all of these things um i just it undeniably just something you can't turn away um, from and i love um, these little tiny parallels that are developing uh a very malik influenced movie in a lot of ways oh, especially sure. in its storytelling uh which is you know again not handholdy uh, very much like you're just kind of catching these little moments between these people. Right. Yeah. Yeah, very good. Uh, and so, yeah, uh, that... Uh, I, I've had this it's, thought it's recently, wonderful. and I 
what is he doing next? Because I, we've been waiting for the follow-up since 2012. It comes out this year, and it's called Wendy, and it's completed, but there's... No um, date for it sure. yet. That's Mr. Uh, doesn't look like it. Ben Zeitlin uh, or Ben Zeitlin. I'm not sure how you pronounce it. So the uh, last... But here's the kicker. The last time the updated notes happened was February 26th of 2018. Okay. So if I, over a year and a half ago, and it said it was completed. And so I guess we don't know when it's dropping, but... Okay. Well, I'm saying, yes, post-production, but I just... I got to get in the description of this movie. I'm sorry. Set on a mysterious island where aging and time have come unglued, Zeitlin's mythological story tells the tale of two, two, two children from different worlds fighting to maintain their grip on freedom and joy. Okay. Sounds right up your alley, sir. Yeah, I can't wait. And it uh, looks like straight-up unknowns once again in the cast. So Love it. Uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, it's taking a little while to come together, but... Uh, there's there's some other filmmakers I could mention who uh, I've been waiting for their follow-up for quite a while. We'll get into that a little later. Just uh, a tease I of some All sort. Right. Okay. <laughs> that was my 17 Beasts of the Southern Wild. So back to me for my number 16. Uh, this might be a cheat in your eyes. I don't really care. Come at me, people. At the Archive Network uh, on Instagram. Or at the Arc of E on Twitter if you want to yell at Mayfield about my pick. If you want to yell at him about this pick. Who knows? I might um, yell at you about your pick. It's pretty long. It's very, very long. Like over six hours long. <laughs> is that enough of a description for you to tell me what it is? A six hour movie? Yeah. No. It, it's over six hours, if I'm not mistaken. Is it going to be, is it like, all right, just, uh, what's the description? <laughs> okay, let me, I want to actually pull this one up for you, and I'm gonna, I may have to omit a name, but let's see. <laughs> Hold on a second. Okay, a chronicle of the rise and fall of blank, whose high profile blank, 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 the extent of American racial tensions, blank, 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 fractured and divided nation. <laughs> is this the OJ story? This is OJ made in America. Um, the ESPN documentary, right? So, like, not the. It was funded by ESPN. Gotcha. Um, but it did, in fact, screen in a theater in its seven-hour and forty-seven-minute glory, um, it, with an intermission, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah. it, it did play in its entirety. It was available to see as a seven-hour Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get in feature. on a technicality. I get it. Okay. <laughs> I get it. I, is- I have it on here. It is the lone documentary on my list. The reason being, you know, documentaries are kind of ever-present at this point. And I feel like they've become way more popular as a genre just in the last decade or so. Netflix has a lot to do with that. You know, when they first launched, they didn't have a lot of original programming. They didn't have a ton of movies in their streaming service. But what they did have was a ton of documentaries. You and I have... I almost don't want to say this out loud, but I'm pretty sure it's not in the decade. What, sorry, in advance. We can cut this out. When did Dear Zachary come out? 
Last uh, last decade, it was on my tw- top twenty okay. of okay. last decade. Just wanted to make sure. Six or seven, perfect, honestly. perfect example of a movie that like early on was one of the most watched things on Netflix, purely because it was word of mouth. Now, a documentary like that, I don't know if it has that those same legs if it comes out you know ten years prior or something. For instance, oh, in no the, way. in the midst of a a sea of the genre has been done to death, the format has been messed with. You look at stuff like Room Two Thirty Seven, for instance. Um, People have had completely different approaches. This is, by all accounts, a pretty traditional documentary. It doesn't break too far out of the the Ken Burns style approach of talking heads, archival footage. You know, it's it's grounded within the genre. But I defy you to tell me or show me another documentary that is more well put together and well thought out cohesive epic in its in its scope but also like has the most like fine-tuned detail to it um that's everything from the editing from certain talking heads quotes into footage it's just it is immaculately put together it tells a giant sweeping story that you could never do in a traditional narrative film. It is like truly an advertisement for this is why you don't you don't always need to dramatize history. You can literally just put it up on the screen. Um, it's incredible. It's devastating. It's engrossing. It's the best documentary I've ever seen in my entire life. Period. Um, and it's my sixteenth favorite movie of the twenty tens. It's OJ Made in America by the incomparable. Ezra Edelman. I look forward to whatever he's doing next. Okay, go ahead. So that was your 16. Yes, sir. My 16 takes place in 1980s Italy, where a romance blossoms between a 17-year-old student and the older man hired as his father's research assistant. Gross. Um. I'm I'm ashamed to say I still haven't seen it, but I I can still if you'd like me to Mayfield I can call me by your name. That didn't even come out right. That, that nope, was that terrible. was a terrible segue. <laughs> I but yes, call yeah. me by your name is the name of that movie. And if honestly, you'd like, I can call me by your name. What? <laughs> yeah, that's it, not how that works. Go ahead. Nope, tell me about it. it. Wrong. Rave to me about it again. Why I should see it. Honestly, it's just phenomenal. It again, from, I, this is not Timothy this Shout, is not man. like an active protest on that movie in any way, shape, or form. It was on my list. There's always like you know five or six awards contenders that I don't get to, and it just kept getting like buried down the list. I know it is streaming on Stars right now. I believe I added it to my Amazon queue. I I could watch it like within the next month before it disappears off of there. I'm gonna try. Try. Yeah, it's good, man. Army Hammer shows up well. Timothy Chalamet shows up well. But the real surprise that year, um, probably with the best Stuerbach. year of 2017, was Stuhlbach. Stuhlbach. He was phenomenal. And I just ultimately, you just, I think it's just a very, um, yeah, a grounded fa- movie that takes that really just plays to the emotions of of what is love and what it can be and, um whether or not it's this romantic thing or if it's just an experience or what that looks like, but it was, it's absolutely entrancing. And so, um, I just, so I, I think it's absolutely beautiful. My only real experience with Chalamet so far is, uh, Lady Bird, which I loved. That movie's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
I'm looking forward to the aforementioned The King. Uh, I'm looking forward to Dune, which he's going to be the new mm-hmm. new Paul Atreides in. Totally down with that. Uh, you mentioned Stuhlbarg, though. I, I just wanted to shout that out. Another actor who just consistently... Th- he's He is now a, just a legendary character actor like within the span of a decade. I was going to say, too bad that his best performance comes the decade prior, which would be in my like a best... serious act- man? Yes, just insanely brilliant and that was my introduction to him as well that movie is fantastic uh and he is like a huge part of why so i need to watch it i look forward to it i i will i will try and do that in the next week if you'll watch tree of life the next week okay i think those are very two different movies and i think that's a different there's a different weight to what you're asking (laughs) okay fair enough um but uh what is it luca guadagno how do i say that properly did i nail that close enough close enough for my ears um, bigger splash, I think, is shot really is really cool. And that is the only, or excuse me, not the only. I have seen that. I did not see Call Me by Your Name, and I have seen his Suspiria remake, um, which I I get why people didn't like it, and I love the original Suspiria, and yet I still loved the remake. Absolutely dug it. Um, I got to but you and I haven't really talked about it on a rewatch. It it did go down a smidge for me. Um, I look forward to watching it one more time this October. I'm really trying to digest the uh, the historical elements and what he's going for there because it still has not quite coalesced for me. And I don't know if I just need somebody to like sit me down and explain the history of Germany in that time period to me, like in like fine detail. But I'm still a little lost as far as all of that goes, and it's a huge huge chunk of that very long movie um, is devoted to that thread and that's kind of the stuff that doesn't entirely work for me but all of that being said I, I do really like it apologies if that's like further up on your list and I just talk shit about it which uh, no it's not it's okay. not on my list at all alright so I, I and will I get, still dug it I will get to call me by your name very, very soon. I can make you that promise. Your next movie, please. uh, My next movie, sir, is uh, my number 15 from 2015, directed by one Mr. Jeremy Saulnier. I'm not going to do the plot thing. It's Green Room. It's Green Room. Ah, honorable mention. Yes. Uh, I love this movie. I, I think you and I both kind of agreed Murder Party is probably my favorite of his. Of course, does not fit into this decade. Which most people haven't seen. If you haven't seen it, go see it or watch it. It's always on. It's like a, it's on Netflix or it's on Amazon Prime or it's streaming and it's. But it's, oh yeah, so but funny. The, the craft behind Green Room. I really appreciate the rewatchability of it. Now it's not a fun movie. It is a brutal, intense, like. You feel like you've been put through the ringer by the time you get to the end of it kind of movie. It totally is. But I I rewatch it a couple times a year. Uh, I fit it into my October rewatches because it totally functions as a horror movie even though it doesn't have the traditional like slasher killer at the center of it. But it's incredibly Except it's got, intense. You know, uh, neo-Nazis. Su- yes, it does. Uh, has great villains. Uh, Patrick Stewart's incredible. Megan Blair, uh, excellent supporting role. Anton Yelchin, R.I.P. Yes, R.I.P. And again, this was the movie where I was just like, this kid, just brilliant. Like, 
just I bought every single second of it. Um, I was already pretty much on board with Imogene Poots prior to that, but she's great in it as well. Uh, Alia Shawcat, like the entire supporting cast in there is great. Uh, and it's just a taut, mean little thriller. Uh, it's a single location movie, which I absolutely love. And it just, it just works. And it works every time I watch it. And Solnier is one, I, I didn't love Hold the Dark quite as much as I had hoped to, but I did really enjoy it. I enjoyed his True Detective episodes. I look forward to his next feature. I think he is, he's on my short list for like, most interesting up-and-comers at the moment. I, I think he's pretty brilliant. So, uh, yeah, that's number 15 for me. Green Room from 2015. Your number 15, sir? 15, Sorry. yeah, yes. my 15. Go for it. At a top-secret facility in the 1960s, a lonely janitor forms a unique relationship with an amphibious creature that is being held in captivity. Okay, this this sounds slimy. This sounds <laughs> uh like it might be a little underlit, like it might be a little green tinged, maybe. Oh, it is. Maybe. Oh, uh, 2017's what Noah? Is there is Doug Jones in this picture? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Doug, Doug Jones, Jones in this movie. Is in this movie. <laughs> okay. Um. It's got to be a Guillermo del Toro joint, right? Oh, you are you're you're I dancing think it, around I it. I think it's I think it's The Shape of Water. It I think is it the just shape might of be. Water. Dude, I cried like a baby in this movie, and I saw it twice in theaters. And guess what? Cried both times. Um, just I absolutely mean, beautiful. And can we just talk about what is one of the greatest ensembles this uh, this decade of Sally Hawkins, Michael Shannon, Richard Jenkins, Octavia Spencer, uh, our boy. Michael Stuhl, uh, Stuhlberg. 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 Uh, you gotta Doug say Jones. it like you. You have to Stuhlberg. say it like Sean Connery for some reason. Stuhlberg. Michael Stuhlberg. Yes. Doug Jones. I mean, you. I mean, it is just absolutely phenomenal. It's kind and of. It's I, got so much heart, man. It's got so much heart, and it is so whimsical. And people, uh, people clearly loved it. And at the same time, people were like, "Oh, she has sex with a fish." Like, I have fuck a, off. Like, I did okay. good. Um, this is not this is not me hating on your pick at all. I think you and I can both agree, though. I mean, a year later, we knew like that shouldn't have won Best Picture. Like it, it seriously. We know the movie that we're gonna remember ten years from now, and that's not it. It's just not. What movie is it? We'll talk about it. <laughs> we'll talk about it later. Because I disagree. When that movie won, I was all about it. Okay, no, and I'm not. Again, I'm not hating on it. But I do kind of have this thing. I think Shape of Water is great. I really do. I don't think it's his best movie by any means necessary. It would probably be like my no. maybe like my fourth or fifth favorite Del Toro. And but yes. I really felt like the best picture win, as earned as it may have been in that particular year. Even though, again, I completely disagree. There's another movie that should have definitely won over it. That just it should have. But. In a oh, year yeah, when that okay. was, I see a, where you're going, and yes. you're actually that actually makes a lot of sense. Because Anyways, in a year when that was going to well. win, I get it, but did it not just feel like this is the makeup for not giving Pan best foreign film years ago? Because again, I love Shape of Water, but so much of what I love about it is because it's a Del Toro movie in the way that like he is a genre unto himself at this point. 
in the way that Tarantino is. You know, you know what you're getting to a certain extent. And he can surprise you here and there, but you kind of, you know, there are these tenets that he adheres to. And in some ways, Shape of Water is a bit of a rehash of a lot of the core themes that he's always been dealing with. Now, you can say that it kind of coalesces a lot of them, but to me, it feels like lesser pan to a certain extent. It's not the, it's not the same story parallel-wise at all, but I really felt like that that is why we elevated that one a little bit more. Great movie, regardless. I did not mean to shit on it. Great you make pick. a lot of great points. I see where you're coming from, and... It's I, still uh, and, my and number. Fuck you, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's my still number, my number 15. 15. I'm not telling you you should move it. I, I'm not well, hating on your pick at all. Here's the kicker is that all. there are other just, higher yes. 2017 movies on my list. And, and as, as well, I, there should be. <laughs> and I still am very fine with The Shape of Water. And I think we'll talk more about it. I'm guessing it's both higher on both of our lists. Um, but when Shape of Water walked away with it, I, I said, yep, totally get it. I understand why that won. And yes. I'm fine with it. So I'm, no, I didn't. Yeah, yeah I, you know, it does. It doesn't yeah, stick sure in my correct. craw the same way that you know maybe the movie from last year did. But uh, yeah, okay. So where where are we at? My number fourteen. So we're yeah, at? you were on, and we are uh, on the fifty three minute timer. Yes. So we will we'll say right now uh, we're going to be splitting this into two parts. Uh, and yeah, you and I will be wrapping up uh, when we get to number eleven. So you know, build up to it in a cool way. All right. Just make this okay. like the coolest part of the cast if people are still listening. This, this is the peak. <laughs> okay. Yes. All right. Um, well, I am You're kicking 14. things off with a bang with 2013's small, little, intimate, beautiful relationship movie from Spike Jones. It's called Her. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, so, my, so, it's so my number good. 14 on the decade. Uh, you, we've all got a thing for Joaquin. I, again, he's my favorite living actor. Uh, Spike Jones, one of my favorite directors of all time. I wish he works a little more often. That's all when I'm going to say about it's, that. It's worth watching. But seriously, being John Malkovich, adaptation, Where the Wild Things Are, and then this one, which is, I think, the first that's like solely him. Originally conceived, written, directed, like heart, soul, this is him. Yeah, but then and they did the dirty to who was the original voice of uh, the android? Samantha uh, Morton, uh, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. Before it was switched to Scarlett Johansson. Did the um, dirty. Mm. From everything I hear, she, I think she was okay with it after that. I don't think it's like the, it, she still got paid. I don't think they like screwed her out of it. I don't know. I don't remember how that yeah, story Yeah, but then down. you got ScarJo sitting there being like, I was the voice in her. And this, you know, well, this Morton's okay. over on the side hey. like, mm. hey. Smith Morton, great actress in her own right. Go watch The Messenger, people. Go watch it, okay? Um, Her, from 2013. Okay. It's a movie that on paper and in concept, like, you just tell somebody what it's about, one of two things. Either the immediate, like, chuckle, blush reaction of just like, what? What? Okay. And you hear that guy falls in love with his operating system. And you're like, okay, that talk about you know I'm gonna need to suspend my disbelief and then you sit down to watch this movie and it establishes a world where that's not that inconceivable and the more you start to process that you're like 
it's really not that far off from where like we are and the way that it's just this like slightly kicked up future it's so subtly done um and it's again it's just a beautiful relationship movie it's heartbreaking in all the right ways and it just it gives you scenes that you flat out have never seen in a movie before um there's nothing quite like it I, th- I think it's still one of the most original movies of the decade and it it really hits me every time a lot of that has to do with Joaquin and it also has to do with the brilliant vocal performance from Miss Scarlett Johansson now I would love to hear the original track I think it would be cool in different movies like this <clears throat> moon if we just went back and you know like <laughs> change the voices and you could just play around with them and when you get home you just you pick your audio track you know who do you want the off-screen voice to be could be anybody yeah. Maybe you maybe you turn her into a love story between Joaquin Phoenix and Sam uh, Worthington. Maybe you know. There you go. Why not? I was trying to think of the first Sam that came to mind. And Worthington was. I mean, who, who else are you gonna go? Sam Jackson, maybe. That felt like too. That that was just too too comedic. Okay. That was number fourteen. Did I jazz it up enough? I'd go Sam Elliott, but anyways. Oh, um, dude, way better choice. Yeah, you Walking guessed Phoenix, it up. Sam Elliott. Her. And what is the sexiest <laughs> android relationship? Pitchfork ever. calls it erotic? With a question mark. <laughs> if it's got Sam Elliott in it, you know it's erotic. Yes, Pitchfork reviewed this movie. <laughs> All right, that's, are you ready? You know it's good. Go ahead, please. My number 14 movie is one that we have talked about several times already oh you didn't it is oh we just a okay, <laughs> kind of a new one kind of a new movie not record <laughs> kind of a new movie go ahead uh it is about a couple that travels to sweden to visit a rural hometown's fabled Ooh. midsummer festival okay yeah no i what i assumed as much a lovely Sorry. retreat quickly <laughs> devolves into an increasingly violent and as some would call it, bizarre, competition at the hands of a pagan cult. You know, I didn't think it was that bizarre. I thought it made a lot of sense, uh, a lot of good <laughs> sense. Uh, I'm actually headed to Sweden myself, uh, tail end of the summer, yeah, leading into the fall. I'm going to see what the uh, the fall festivals are like over there. <laughs> maybe they're, that's, that's, uh, those are, those maybe are they're the a little festivals. less uh, <laughs> flamey, a little less uh, bonfire-like. Uh, we'll see. I don't know. Maybe they don't burn as much shit. I'm going to go check it out. You're talking about Midsommar. It's from this yeah. year. We did a whole two-hour podcast about it. Like, go listen to it. And it's so it. good. Yeah, it's great. It's so good. Yeah. Um, and it's better than at, Hereditary. I'm glad you had time, it up here because I'm like, it is flat out. It's better than Hereditary. Hereditary is amazing. Midsommar is better. It just is. Um, yeah, and at, so, at the time we're recording this, uh, yeah, the, the director's cut hits theaters tomorrow. Um, and I can only imagine it just gets even better. I wanted more. And oh, I can't now we're wait. Getting I it. cannot wait to get this this movie home. Especially, you said it's dropping in October, which is just perfect. They know their audience, man. They, they know it. their audience. Yeah. So yeah, we'll skip over that. Midsummer as my, this will uh, this might uh this might sub in this might sub in for the usual original Wicker Man slot this year, which I might is usually reserved both. for the last five days of uh of Who October. Knows? I could do both. 
I, I could definitely, that sounds like a pretty solid double feature. That sounds like a pretty solid five and a half hours of your life. <laughs> well, and, and go listen to the podcast that we did. It's two hours long, but like people were like, it's the same movie. Yeah, it's not but, the same movie. Yeah, but seriously, it's, you don't you don't really even have to listen to that. I'm going to once again plug, go listen to the A24 podcast, the conversation between Ari Aster and Robert Eggers, which is like one of my favorite things I've heard recently. It's just, it's great. It's just two guys just nerding out about shit that they like together. It's so cool. Okay. Um, fantastic pick i mean again listen to that podcast we're not going to talk anymore about it here uh great movie uh my number 13 my number 13 i'm keeping the i'm keeping scar joe alive at least on my list uh that's that should be a huge giveaway what you're doing under the skin noah i love that you go there because i'm about to be like you know she had like what like eight or nine movies this decade if you count all the all the marvel movies and some other yeah. stuff. Um, I think this is, I think this is inarguably her best performance. Uh, I just rewatched it like a week ago. Still stands as just a completely singular experience. Uh, I love this movie. It's not for everybody. It, it's not. Again, I found it very boring. Yes, you. Yes, you would, sir. Um, <laughs> I. I think you need to give this one another shot. You're probably um, right, and because I think you're, because I, I think boring. a lot of it, ha- I think a lot of it has to do with the mood you're in when you're watching it, for sure. And it's a movie that, again, doesn't hold your hand, and it does. It's not really particularly concerned with whether you're vibing with it. It's like this is the ride. Either get on board for the ride, or you're just not like you're not going to have any fun here, basically. And it's not a fun, particularly fun movie. It is a very like upsetting movie in a lot of ways. But, Some would uh, possibly even say boring. Um, I would I would never accuse this movie of being boring. It's true. There's because some interesting it is, things that happen in it. It right? is visually sumptuous. Uh, it has arguably the best score of the decade from Michael Levy. Um, and it's just, it's brilliant. There's nothing quite like it. I could go on and on about how they shot it and all the behind-the-scenes details, which are super interesting. If you're not familiar with them, go look them up. I, I don't have to reiterate them here. But I think it's... a a definitive performance of her career at that time in her career. I think, I don't think she's had her truly transcendent, like, Oh my God movie yet, but I've always enjoyed her on screen. Um, and I mainly, I look forward to uh, marriage story, which comes out in like a month or two, the new Bo- uh, Noah Baumbach with her and Adam driver mm-hmm. getting divorced. The trailers look amazing. I could really see that being like, a really meaty role for her to dive into in a way that she maybe hasn't. What's so great about under the skin is a lot of it is a wordless performance, a physical performance. And she's doing just a lot of great work just with her body language, um, and her looks. Um, I, and by that, I mean the looks on her face, not her physical appearance, even though that is a huge part of what the movie is dealing with. And it's subtext is the way that we, objectify women the way that celebrities are viewed with inside the way that scarlett johansson is viewed with society it's brilliant it's got layers it needs to be digested it needs to be gone back to multiple times it is under the skin it's my lucky number 13 and it's from 2013 so you know there's a little bit of symmetry there uh go go watch it i i think it's streaming on prime right now if i'm not mistaken uh, and go watch everything by jonathan glazer director of sexy beast and birth Super underrated movie as well. There you go. Yeah. 
that's my piece about it. I think you should watch it again. And give it another shot. Maybe I w- I'll add it to the list, Noah. Also works as a horror movie. Yeah. You can sneak it in in October. I'm sorry. That has one of the... We didn't do this. We talked about saying, like, oh, this is the one scene and having the scene from each movie. There is a sequence in Under the Skin that flat out, you've never seen this in a movie before. You've never seen this, period. And it just needs to be seen for that. There are very few movies that can say that. There's a moment about 30 minutes in. You'll know it when it happens. And it just, you can't unsee it. And you'll want to see it again and again. Even though it's terrifying and disturbing. Um, yeah. Go watch the movie. And you, tell me you're 13. Uh, what will be an, uh, a polarizing pick, as we will make sense in a second. I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> this movie is an aspiring model. Jesse is a new to Los Angeles. Ooh, la, la. No debate on this one. It's the Neon Demon. It is, Sorry. yes. And it's, uh, <laughs> Sorry to cut it, you off there. You're fine. Um, yeah, I just I think I look at this movie as like a ghost story or as a legitimate like lore story about a, a, a demon um, and has witches in it. And like that's kind of where my mindset is when I watch this. And it's so f- fucking good. <laughs> like it's so good. I 100% um, agree. And it's beautiful to super, watch and yeah, super slow and super by NWR. <laughs> like it's yes. A hundred percent. It is. And it's the building block that you need of, again, along with only God forgives. Like you can't, to me, you cannot watch drive and dive into too old to die young. Like you're asking no. for trouble if you do no, that. No, 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 no. But you no, no, need no. the building blocks of only God forgives and the neon demon. Cause you put those in a swirl and that is too old to die young. But too yep. old to die young again, I think is the definitive work of his career thus far. Um, and Keanu Reeves gets to be such a just like terrible person. Yeah, dude, movie. it's it's a glimpse of like what maybe would have happened if he didn't have the the Keanu songs or whatever we're calling it. But like, I feel like yeah, that and Knock Knock, like you kind of saw him going, hey, maybe I want to like you know just totally trash be my a dirtbag <laughs> persona. Like, let me try something different. And I don't. Again, you and I talked about this a little bit on that cast. It's because we all inherently, like, we love Keanu, and we all, like, he's so likable for the most part. I feel like he went through a huge chunk of people, like, thinking he was a joke, like, maybe he was a little bit of a joke for a decade or so, but has firmly established himself as just, like, everybody loves that dude. Like, if anybody doesn't like that guy, there's probably five or six people behind them going, like, dude, what the fuck's wrong with you? It's Keanu. Like, it's but it's Keanu, man. So he can, I would like to see him now play against type a little bit and like do some riskier things which you could say the entire John Wick character is pretty risky I mean it's a murdering assassin who yeah we totally are on the side of and we identify with but like he's murdering hundreds of people per movie I mean he is but I'm there for it definitely there for it yep okay that was what we're talking about (laughs) Neon Demon which yep. did not did not make my list. Uh, again, obviously, I said Only God Forgives is my favorite of his features, and it's already been on my list. I love Neon Demon, though. It's, like, right right a notch below that, and then drives, drives slightly down there, and then take the, I don't know, Valhalla, Bronson, neck and neck, somewhere in there. I, I love all of his stuff. Neon Demon's great. I continuously rewatch all of these, uh, so... Yeah, if you asked me on an on, on another day, this might have cropped up on my top twenty. 
because uh, I did really enjoy my most recent rewatch, which I did right after Too Old to Die Young. So, uh, anything else you want to say about that one, or shall I move it along? Let's go. Let's go. What you got? Okay, next now one? this is potentially a film that might be higher up on your list. If it is, I'm totally fine with postponing the conversation until part one or part two, rather. Uh, it's from 2016. It's a very twisty movie. Very twisty. Hmm. It's kind of long. It's got some different perspectives. It's, some might call it Hitchcockian. Some might call it De Palma-ian. <laughs> it's a sexy, sexy movie. It's a it's a sexy movie. <laughs> it is it's a sexy movie, dude. What is it? <laughs> dude, it, I'm trying it? not to say it if it's further up on your list. No, I think uh this might be if it is the movie that we are both thinking about, I just I would like you to say your number 12, Noah. Okay, it's The Handmaiden. <laughs> it's my number 12 as well. Synergy, sir. <laughs> yes. Oh, synergy. I'm so happy. Uh okay, this is perfect. Uh from director Park Chan-wook or Chanwick Park. I, I don't know how we say it. I'm, I'm terribly sorry. Um, he did have a co-writer on this one. I will not do her the disservice of butchering her name. But um, <laughs> Seo Jung is the, the most I'm going to attempt to say. I'm going to avoid the hyphen in the middle. I'm sorry. And this is based on the novel by Sarah Waters uh, called Fingersmith. Which I I never did really any investigation into like... If how I need to much, read that book. Yes, how much adaptation comes in here. But you and I just recently did like a did like twenty minutes on The Handmaiden. You had rewatched it recently. I haven't seen it since it came out. Um, but I was within like five minutes of that conversation, I was like, I gotta rewatch that movie soon. Cause it's just it's incredible. And again, off of a single or excuse me, one and a half watches, because I've started rewatching this one with the girlfriend. She had to go to bed. Didn't finish it myself that evening and have not gone back to it. That was about two years ago. So, um, yeah. What? Where do you want to start with that movie? Because I feel like a lot of people don't even know about it. But if you are an Amazon Prime subscriber, um, you have you it can watch at it. your fingertips right now. Yeah. It's produced by Amazon. And it. I I would argue it's the best. I mean, Neon Demon, also produced by Amazon. Plug for that. Um, I would argue it's the best thing amazon's ever had their their hands on um little grubby hands on people might argue manchester by the sea more prestigious perhaps people might argue the big sick um great comedy but i'm telling you this is it though this is the the, the handmaid it is you have not seen it three hour watch it i don't even want to i don't even really want to like get into the plot details at all because it is just one of those movies if i could go in cold knowing nothing about it I I would love to have it just scrubbed from my brain. I mean, honestly, is, I watched the trailer and then I saw it, which the trailer doesn't give you a lot to go on. No, it does um, not. I, I would recommend that. And you can read the plot description, but basically, I, what time period are we in? You've Again, you've seen it more recently. Was it the, like the 1920s? Yes. 30s? Early 1900s and Korea. And it just... Yep. It, excuse me, it's in Japan. I forget that it's, it's in a, Japan. a co- Korean crew filmed in Japan. In Japanese. And Korean. And Korean. Not that I would know the difference when it's being spoken, because I'm an idiot, but... They yes. color the subtitles differently, Noah, you, you dummy. 
I, I had forgotten about that element. Again, I've seen it once, but that was enough to get it on this list at this point because, again, it is a movie about perspective. Um, and it's a it's a twisty little mystery crime caper who's conning who sort of movie. But it's done... A, I think it's a... <laughs> what? It's a, the, you ever heard the quote from Forgetting Sarah Marshall when the, the kid from 30 Rock? What's the... the Jack the, McBrayer. Jack McBrayer. When he talks about the show that Sarah Marshall's on, he's like, it mixes the sex and the violence, and I like it. That's <laughs> yes. how I feel about this movie. <laughs> like, that's, like, that to me is, like, and that's ag- this. And again, that it he, has, he was talking about the handmaiden. It has a true eroticism to it, the likes of which you have not seen in American movies since, like, the mid-80s and 90s, like, sex thrillers, like your fatal attractions, your basic instincts. Like, this movie has heat to it. It genuinely does. And that's a little crazy coming from the guy who made Old Boy, the guy who made Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, the guy who made Lady Vengeance, um, Stoker, which has tons of like really uncomfortable sexuality to it. But and I this still movie, haven't seen the I, show. I still haven't seen his. Uh, I still have not seen Little Drummer Girl, show. which we need to watch, of course, as we said. Florence Pugh, yes. shout out to Florence Pugh. Um, shout out. Yes. So, also for Midsummer. Oh, love 100, her. 100%. And she's going to be in Little Women later this year. That oh, movie looks her. amazing. I'm going Christmas Day. I don't know about you. Um, on okay. Christmas? I don't know about on Christmas, but you know, I'll, I'll see it in a theater, which I, if you had told me that I was going to be that excited about a Little Women adaptation, but that cast, that director, that trailer, I'm, I'm there. I'm actually really excited for that movie. It looks yes. great. Yep. Okay. All right. So The Handmaiden. Uh, watch it. Uh, absorb it. Um, and then uh, write us about how much you hate us for making you watch it. Um, yes. Do that when too. You, when you do that. Do that too. So, also, I, one of one of the best on – I have – I'll admittedly say, okay, we're probably not the best judges of performances in other languages, you know? But I've every once said in a that, while, like, not knowing the language, how like is there yeah, things that like weird inflections that we don't catch that other people? Yeah, like, it's very hard to tell inflection. like what's what's good or bad acting in a foreign film a lot of times. But I think there are performances that are that truly transcend the language barrier, like uh, Chen Sikmoy in Old Boy, for instance, and like every single actor in The Handmaiden, um, particularly the three main leads who I would just nominate as like just one of the best ensembles of the decade because it's one of those movies that does not work if you remove any element from it and they are all just at the top of their game the entire time. Such a good movie. I'm, I am I think that's what I'm re-watching as soon as we wrap this up, which we will do very, very soon. Okay, so we had synergy there. Do you want to go with your 11 or do you want me to close out part one of our discussion? You just asked the same question. You asked me if I want to give my 11, and then do you want to close it out? Which would be me still giving that would, my 11 yes. first. So what, yeah. So let's, okay. I'll give the 11 first. <laughs> okay, so let's do that. Because you didn't give me a choice, No, It was a fake This choice is why we need to wrap up soon. You tried to, you tried to fool me. Um, I'm going to go with a little, uh, with a movie that's about, um, the synopsis should give it away, uh, Toys are mistakenly delivered to a daycare center instead of the attic right before Andy leaves for college. And it's up to this character to convince the other toys that they weren't abandoned and try to return home. 
what are Andy's toys doing at a goddamn daycare? More mistake, importantly, man. what are they what are they doing in a landfill? <laughs> About to get incinerated. <laughs> um, uh, I believe that movie would be Toy Story three. Yes. Yes. That is the one. It's uh, I don't do I need to talk about it? everyone and their mother has seen this movie. Yeah, and everyone um, and their mother think it thinks it's you know a ten out of ten. So it I mean yeah it's great. I I actually think that the first two in retrospect I think the emotion clouded it a little bit with the third one. There's also the factor I haven't seen four, but kind of knowing that the story goes on, it takes a bit of the emotional punch of the finality of that one away. Um, on rewatches, sure. I feel like where it felt like a really great final chapter, and, but then the idea of like no, but there's still some you know they're they're gonna do another one. But we can milk this. Yeah, and again, I haven't seen four. I've heard mixed reactions about it. Four, I, is I will good. see it whenever four it's is streaming. A good movie. It yeah. is not any of the first three trilogies uh, or the first. Well, you know, see, and again, that's my thing is I think three, like. Again, at the time and in the theater, completely devastated, bawling like a child, of course. It totally worked on me. But on rewatches, when you know they get out of it and you know where it's headed and everything, it, it, you know, it's more of just, oh, this is another adventure with them. And I really enjoy it, but the first two are incredible. Like, And again, they're not part of this decade, so obviously we're not having that conversation. But I yeah. I mean, saying that it's the, the third best in a four-movie franchise and it's still worth being on this list. I'm not going to argue with you there because it is a great movie. See, but here's where I'm going to say: uh, Toy Story Three is the last Jedi of the Toy Story series, and I say that because it is the best movie of the franchise. That is, that's okay. how I'm going to end my time. On that this sounds podcast. like that sounds like that could be a podcast in and of itself. Okay, before uh, you know, people start jumping through their headphones to strangle you. Sorry, uh, if you, again, remember, if you disagree with me or want to argue, uh, Gavin Blanchard is willing to fight you at a food line <laughs> parking lot. Of your choosing. Of your of choosing. Your choosing. Yes. Um, and if you want to make it a piggly wiggly parking lot, you got to find that one. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Are they still around or are they dead dead? Are they gone? They're, they're, they're hanging on by the skin of their snout or something like that. Big Bad Wolf came in and blew their house down. Yeah, let's stop with the clunky metaphors and I'm going to give my number 11 and we're going to wrap this thing up. Okay. Yes. All right. Let's. My number 11 is also kind of a new movie. Kind of a new movie. So, So new, I saw it like less than a month ago. Um... I'm struggling with just like what I want to say about this and how I want to sell it. But all I'm going to say, it's from 2019, obviously. And it's called The Souvenir. And it's directed by one oh, Miss yes. Joanna Hogg, who is a complete discovery for me. The uh, The other movie that was on the docket to watch this evening before The Handmaiden just like started creeping its way up in my brain. Uh, I have two of her earlier films saved on my Amazon Prime. They're streaming right now. That's Archipelago and... Uh, Exhibition, I believe, is the other one that's available. Uh, starring one of them, starring a young Tom Hiddleston, who worked with her a lot early on. Completely unfamiliar with her work, never seen anything. I start hearing about this movie, The Souvenir, early in the year. Good response to it. It's produced by Martin Scorsese. It's doing well with the festivals. It stars not Tilda Swinton, even though she is in this movie, but it stars, stars, Honor Swinton Byrne. Tilda Swinton's daughter 
I'm very, I was very intrigued by that as well. Okay, and it is ostensibly a kind of a fictionalized autobiographical film about Joanna Hogg uh, and her time in film school. And there's a surrogate character played by Honor Swinton Byrne, and it is just kind of it's about a young woman in England in her early 20s going to film school in the 80s and she meets uh she meets a man they develop a relationship the young man is played by mr tom burke who some people might recognize from only god forgives he was the the horrible older brother to ryan gosling in that movie uh he is similarly intense in this movie but he's got a lot of shades to him and the movie kind of camping a lot or (laughs) yes um the movie's got got a lot of layers to it, a lot of different things that it's about, and I don't really want to get into those themes other than to tell you it's a slow movie. It takes its time. It's very much about time and place and emotions more than anything else. Incredibly subtle performances, but two of the best performances I've seen all year. Uh, inc- impeccable direction. Uh, she was immediately... I was just like, this is a true... like unique voice like she is telling two or three different stories right now she's telling a story through the dialogue she's telling a story through the framing and she's telling a story through just like the entire scope of the experience um again this is the type of movie that i feel like you could recommend to somebody they'd sit there and watch it and go i was bored or i didn't relate to that or you know what the hell was that even about um this movie just like hit me in the core of my being and I never expected to like latch onto this movie in the way that I did but it it's the best thing I've seen all year I don't know that anything is going to top it and it immediately skyrocketed to just one of my favorite films I've ever seen and it's definitely one of my favorites of the decade I thought about putting it a little further down and it's one of those movies I just start thinking about it and I get emotional and that kind of trumps everything on my list as you'll see as we move into the top 10 on part 2 I love this movie and I encourage people to go check it out. It is currently available for rent, streaming. I think it'll be making its way. It's probably in Redbox if you want it a little cheaper. Uh, but I know a lot of people just like to get stuff at home. I think it's totally worth your time. Again, it's a small movie. It's a character movie. It's dialogue-driven. Um, and there may not even be enough dialogue for you. And the way that the story is told might be a little frustrating to you. But I just I love the filmmaking. I love the performances. It's it's the souvenir. It's, it's, it's my, my number 11 favorite film of the 2010s and it came out this year uh yeah so that is where we will put a pin in it for right now so when we when we come back uh i don't know how how much separation we'll do on this as far as when you're hearing it but when we do come back mayfield will lead off and we'll be getting into our top 10 favorites of the decade if you want to let us know in between hey if this shit is not in your top 10 like, I'm going to riot. If you want to let us know in the little interim, you can email us, thearchivy at gmail.com. You can yell at me on Instagram, at Network. You can yell at Sunshine on Twitter. That's at E. You can yell at Gavin, who was not here for the recording of this, but you can yell at him on Facebook. You can ask him, hey, what are you, what's your top 20, man? Wait, you know, what, Den of Thieves? Number one? Is it number one? Still haven't I don't seen know. it. I don't know. Got to ask him. Okay. Uh, so, you can do that. Uh, you can check out our Patreon if you if you like what you hear and you want to support us. Uh, you can do so for as little as a dollar a month. 
and get you access to some some cool stuff, uh, our archive feeds, some shows that are not available anymore to the public, and we are working on giving you some new specialized content, giving you early access to stuff, all that. Uh, but you can check us out, patreon.com backslash the arc of E. Okay, uh, I think that is all the plugging I needed to do. Like I said, we'll be back soon. Uh, I, I think this format worked a little better. I don't know about you, but we get a little bit more time to talk about the movies. We can get a little more tangential. Uh, I don't feel as as rushed. So I look forward to giving the rush top did 10 not its make proper my list, Noah. Rush did not make your list? No, it didn't. Hemsworth, dude. Just, just killing it. Daniel like Brule? Daniel Brule? To be fair, Hemsworth is on my top 10. But but for what? Interesting. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. Yeah, you know. You know. You okay. know. I, I, if you'd like to do one fun thing before we sign off, okay? Blind guessing, and we're doing this right here because I can cut it if either of us guesses the number one. I want you to try and guess one film that will, without a shadow of a doubt, be on my top the ten when we come back. Don't, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, that was easy. <laughs> um, I'm going to pull one on you. Okay. This, this has got to nail it. Moonlight. Moonlight is on my top ten. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Good. Fair <laughs> enough. Okay. So that's a little preview of uh, what's to come uh, as we move in to our our this is the the big dance, the top ten of the decade. I think uh, I hit your number one though. What's that? I think I hit your number one. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll switch it. <laughs> I don't maybe know. You did. Maybe you didn't. You don't know. No, legitimately, it's not my number one, but it's definitely in the top ten. All right. Okay, this was a ton of fun. We will get to the second half of it very, very soon. I hope people stick around for it. Hopefully this wasn't a total bore. Uh, For the movie arc, I have been Noah, and my guest this week has been... Uh, That's me, Sunshine Mayfield. (laughs) Yes, that that is in fact you. Nailed it. We are going to bid you adieu until we get... To part two. How smooth okay, was that, man? How smooth was that? Nailed it. <laughs> Set Did you go. a do till part two? Wrap it up. Okay, Lock no, we're done. Up. We're done. We're done. I'm done. That was the end point. <laughs>